Let's spend some time in prayer. Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What a beautiful day you have made, and we've come to give you thanks. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for expanding your family at great expense to yourself and including us. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for these two new churches in Romania, in Brela, and in Bucharest. Thank you for the pastors. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on them. Give them courage and boldness, and may they equip their members, and may the gospel spread rapidly throughout Brela and Bucharest. Lord, we think of all of our church planters around the world and pray that as they preach the gospel today, that the gospel would run rapidly, and great fruit would be happening around the world through these new churches. We are here because we are a needy people, and you know our needs, and so meet us at our place of needs. We're just going to pause for a moment, and whatever your needs are, um, won't you bring to the Lord? He cares. And Lord, as we open your word together today, may your Holy Spirit teach us, help us to see Jesus. We pray that you would win the lost and build believers and equip workers. Lord, we're praying for revival. May it begin with me and us and may it spread. Will you, not yourself, revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? We pray for revival in your church and a spiritual awakening in our land. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so there was, a, there was a forest ranger, there was a ranger who said to some campers, uh, you don't want to get on the wrong side of a bear. Which raises one question. What's the wrong side of a bear? You don't know? The park ranger said, the inside. Okay, we'll move on, we'll move on, okay? Hey, listen, I am so excited this morning because I get to share with you one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is Colossians 1.27. It's Colossians 1.27, and the point comes right out of it, the point of today's message, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, now, I have been following Jesus for a long, long time. And you know why I've been able to follow him for a long time? Because I understand Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've been married for a long, long time. And sometimes people say, have you been married for a long time? Here's how, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've been a pastor for a long, long time. You know how I stay, stayed involved in the game? Because I know and treasure Christ in you, the hope of glory. Some of you are following Christ. Do you want to keep following him all your life? Then remember, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Are you married? Would you like to stay married? Would you like to stay married? Then don't forget Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen, would you, would you like to win people to Christ? Would you like to be a disciple maker? It's so important you understand Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you're new, we're walking through Colossians together and Listen, if you don't have a Bible, it would be a good idea to bring one. And if you don't have one, we have some now out on the, uh, in, in the racks. 
But we're walking through Colossians together, and we've been learning so much about Jesus, and he's so amazing. We've learned that Jesus is our creator, and he's also our savior, that he's the head of creation. He's the head of the church. We learned last week that he reconciles us to God and gave us a ministry of reconciliation, right? And today, we pick up in Colossians 1, verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. So, so what is Paul talking about in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Was he saying that Christ's suffering on the cross was not enough to save us? No, no. Paul is not saying that he is suffering redemptively because Christ's death was sufficient. He cried out, it is finished, right? But what he is saying, he's following the model of Jesus. He's following the life of Jesus that there are things in life worth suffering for. Just like Jesus, he believed that Jesus, the church, the spread of the gospel were all worth suffering for. I think Paul is teaching us that if we follow Jesus in this life, we can expect two things. We can expect incredible joy, and we can also expect suffering, right? It's not one or the other, it's, it's both. If we follow Jesus in this life, we will have the joy of seeing people one to Christ and lives change. And we will also experience the suffering of both enemy fire and friendly fire. Do you know that Paul faced enemy fire? But what stung him far more was friendly fire, right? And it's true of us too. If we follow Christ that we will have incredible joy, but we will also find uh, enemy fire and, and, and friendly fire. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God. What if we believe that? That this book was the Word of God. What if we believe that, that the Bible, the, the Word of God was about the gospel and this precious treasure was entrusted to us. Paul says, I was appointed a minister. What was entrusted to me was the gospel. What was entrusted to me was the word of God. Do you know what the gospel is? It's the cure for death. Something has been entrusted to us that is the cure for death. And we're called to be good stewards. And you know what that means? It means first we enjoy the gospel ourselves. We enjoy the gospel ourselves. And then we have a passion of sharing the cure for death with others. That I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations but has now been manifested to his saints. Now a mystery in the Bible is not something dark and mysterious that only seminary professors after years and years of study can understand. A mystery in the Bible is something that we would never figure out on our own, but once God reveals it, he reveals it to all. And what is that mystery that he's revealed? 
to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery that was once hidden that is now revealed is that Gentiles, that Gentiles would be welcomed into the family of God, that Christ would live in and among Gentiles just like he did Jews. It's important for us to understand that racism and prejudice didn't start in America. It started in the beginning. And the church was birthed in a divided culture. It was divided racially and ethnically, just like our time. The world was divided. The Jews hated the Gentiles, and the Gentiles returned the favor. And then the Apostle Paul was appointed a witness to the Gentiles. And he went and shared with the Gentiles that not only were Gentiles welcome in the family of God, but they would be welcomed as equals. And it was shocking. It was a revolutionary message. And that's the message we have. In, in a world divided by race and ethnicity, we have the gospel that teaches that all people are made in God's image that we're all scarred by sin, especially me, and we all need a Savior, especially me. We have the gospel. That's not only the cure for death, but it's the cure for all the brokenness in our world, and we're called to be good stewards of it, to share the good news, Christ in you, Christ in all people, the hope of glory. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. <laughs> Do you know how many people have told me all religions teach the same thing? You ever hear that? And well, what exactly is that? You know what people say? Be nice and try harder. They believe that all religions teach the same thing. Be nice and try harder. Notice what Paul says. He doesn't say we proclaim ourselves, be nice and try harder. We proclaim Christ. We proclaim the gospel. Um, and what is the gospel? What is the gospel that we proclaim? Notice what he says, admonishing every man. That means to correct people, to point out their sins. That gospel means good news, but it contains bad news. And so we share with people the bad news. We admonish people. Paul says our problem is sin. The Bible says our problem is sin. And sin means we're not nice. Isn't that true? You look around the world, is it a nice world? We're not nice. And the gospel says we can't save ourselves, that trying hard would never work for us to earn life with God because God's perfect and we're not. Our sin problem is we're not nice. Our sin problem is that we are sinners and we cannot save ourselves and we've sinned against God and what we deserve is hell. So listen, the gospel has bad news admonishing every man and it also has good news teaching every man. <clears throat> with all wisdom. And so we, say, we point people to Jesus. The good news is about Jesus, a seeking and saving Savior. That, that God the Son put on flesh and came to seek and save sinners to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So God the Son puts on flesh, lives a perfect life for us, goes to the cross, and dies in our place once for all for our sins, crying out from the cross that is finished, rising on the third day, and offering us eternal life. 
Listen, he offers to us as a free gift the forgiveness of our sins and the opportunity to do life and eternity with him. That's what it means, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the Christian life, Christ living in people, forgiving them and doing life and eternity together. And and what does he require of us? Isn't it that we would receive him as our Savior and Lord? I mean, Revelation 3, 20, my favorite verse, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus pursues us. He seeks and saves the lost. He says, I want to forgive you. Listen, I want to move into you and be your Savior and forgive you and give you eternal life. I want to be Lord of your life. Let me run your life. I can do so much better than you. And then we can do life and eternity together. So how do we receive Jesus when we hear him knocking on the door of our heart? It starts, and you can do that now if you'd like, or when we close in prayer, I'll give you a chance, but it starts when we admit, Jesus, you're right, I've sinned, I've not been nice, I haven't tried my best. And then we believe, right? Jesus, I believe that you died and rose for me, won't you? And then we commit, we, we receive Jesus as Savior, come in and forgive me, and give me eternal life, be my Savior. And, and, and then I want you to be Lord of my life, help me be the person you want me to be, won't you? And if you have, notice what Jesus says, I will come into him. That's what it means, Christ in you, he moves in us. And he begins to live his life in us and through us. So back to Colossians 1, verse 28, we proclaim him, we preach Jesus. We preach the gospel, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Doesn't the Apostle Paul get on a roll sometimes? Do you see that? Every man, every man, every man. This is a message for everyone because everyone needs Jesus. We need it, and we're here to share it with others because everyone needs it. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose preaching Christ, sharing the gospel, building the church, making disciples. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Hmm. So let's go back to verse 27. I love verse 27. And, And I want you to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see that? Here's what we've been learning We've been learning that Jesus is before all things, that Jesus created everything, that Jesus holds everything together. And when you become a Christian, the one who holds it all together moves in you. He moves in you, and that is our hope of glory. So let's begin to unpack this this point just a little bit, starting with the word hope. I'd like to ask the question, what is hope? What is hope? And then secondly, well, what robs us of our hope? What is it that steals our hope? And and then lastly, how does Jesus fill us with hope? How does he fill us with hope? So let's start with what is hope? Best definition ever, hope is the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. What is hope? Hope would mean living every day of our lives with the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. When you have conversations with people in our culture today, how many people do you talk to who are joyfully looking to the future because they believe the best is yet to come, right? That's hope. Wouldn't we stand out in our culture if we were a hope-filled people? 
Now, next I want you to notice about hope is that hope here is a noun. It's a noun, not a verb. Because in our culture, most people use hope as a verb, don't they? I hope my team wins today. I hope the weather is nice on my wedding day. And so they use hope uh, as a verb with, for wishful thinking. But notice here, hope is a noun. It's rooted in a person. Our hope is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ, a real person who lived and died and rose again. Hope is a noun because it's rooted in a person, Jesus. I mean, you do know what the word gospel means, don't you? What does it mean? Good news. Now notice, it doesn't mean good moral philosophy. It's good news about a real person who lived and died and rose again. That's what brings Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, so now we know what hope is. Hope is the... We don't know, right? Hope is the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. One more time. Hope is the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. So this week when someone asks you, I want you to be able to say that. All right, so then what robs us of joy? What I mean, what robs us of our hope? Well, only our past, our present, and the future. That's it. It's true, isn't it? Oh, man, I've been divorced. I've had an affair. You know, I, I've done these things wrong. How can I have a future when I have a past, right? Our past. Doesn't our failures, they rob us of our joy? How about our present? Doesn't the futility of life rob us? I mean, life is hard in a broken world, and we work hard and don't go anywhere. Doesn't the futility of life rob us of our hope? And, and, and then our future... <laughs> Our future also robs us of hope because we look down the road and we see our death and that robs us of hope. And I want to share with you something. The older we get, the easier we lose hope. The older that we get, the more we lose hope. And you know why, don't you? Because we fail <laughs> more and more, right? And we understand more and more the futility of life, right? And death seems closer, right? So what is it then that robs us of our of our hope, it's our past, it's our present, and it's our future. So now we come to how can Jesus fill you with hope? How does Christ in you give you that hope that the best is yet to come? Now let me show you something interesting. Notice in verse 27, it says Christ in you. Do you see that Christ in you? And then notice in verse 28, in verse 28 we read at the very end of it that we are in Christ, in Christ. So let me ask you, which is it? Which is it? Is it Christ in you or, or that you're in Christ? Which is it? It's both, right? And I know, I know some of you at this point are saying, you know, we've heard it before. Smiley's going to talk about sweet tea. <laughs> well, well, wait a minute, okay. First of all, I want to teach you about a great doctrine, a great biblical doctrine it's called union with Christ. It's called union with Christ, which teaches that when we believe in Jesus, when we receive him, we are united to Christ, and, and he is in us, and nothing or no one will ever separate us from his love. Okay? That's union with Christ. That's okay if you want to clap. That's so good. We're united. And what does that mean? That's when I talk about sweet tea, okay? 
Now, I'm from the South, and most of you aren't. But I want you to know the number one thing I like about being from the South is sweet tea. It's just there's nothing like it. But you can't, you can't add sugar to tea. If you want sweet tea, you have to put the sugar in when the tea's hot because a chemical reaction happens and it becomes one. Now let me tell you the second reason I love being from the South. It's grits. It's, I love grits. And then if you add cheese to grits, it, even, it just goes over the top, doesn't it? I could eat it for breakfast. I could eat it, I could eat it for lunch. I could eat it, um, I could eat it for dinner. And, and sometimes so many people have moved in this area that aren't from the South that I just need to get some South in my mouth. I do. <laughs> so I'll go to Ned's. I'll go to Ned's. And Ned's has a Palm Valley fish and grits. And there is nothing more Southern than this. The bottom layer is collard greens. You like collard greens? You're from the South then, right? Because <laughs> some from it, why would you eat those things? So it's, it's collard greens, and then on top of that is cheese grits. Could you get more Southern than that? And then the top, fried catfish. I mean, could there be anything more Southern than, than the collards and grits and catfish? But if you've moved into the South, listen, you can't make your grits and then put salt on it. It won't work. If you want grits, you have to put the salt into the water so then when it boils and you put the grits in there, they become one and you cannot separate them. That's what it means to be a Christian. That something has happened and we are united to Christ and we're in Him and He's united to us and nothing or no one will separate us from His love. Let me show you that, about being in Christ. In Rome, Romans 8, one of my favorite verses. Anybody else in here ever fail? Oh, this verse about being in Christ is so precious to me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus Hallelujah. You know, I'm in him and I face no condemnation. You know, I have an enemy who's always pointing out my flaws and makes me think I'm condemned, but God's word says I'm in Christ. There's no condemnation. Oh, another precious verse for me about being in Christ in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, see, we're in Christ. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Listen, if you're in Christ, you can't go back to where you were because that's gone, and you're a new person, right? So that's about being in Christ. Well, what about Christ in us? Oh, one of my favorite verses is in Galatians 2.20, where it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The Christian life isn't about trying your hardest. It's not about doing your best. It's about the one who created the universe. It's about the one who holds the universe together and he moves into us to live his life in and through us and we get to follow him. Listen, Christ lives in me. Wow, I mean, do you think he's wiser than me? 
you think, right? So notice what it says. In the life which I now live, I live my faith in the Son of God. I follow Him who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Of course, Jesus living in us, <laughs> you knew where I was going to go last, right? I mean, back to my favorite verse, Revelation 3.20. But do you hear what it says? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, he says what I will commend to him. Do you know what eating together in the Bible is about? It's about friendship. Let's be friends forever. And I get to do life with Jesus. And I get to do eternity with Jesus. And then when Jesus moves in, uh, you know what he tells me? Now about the past. Listen, our failures are not fatal. Now, that's why like, let's get the present okay, okay? In the present, our lives are not futile, okay? And, and then with the future, with the future, he says, you know, our death is not final. Let's get that straight. And I know, because I hear it often, some of you say, Smiley, I have heard that before. You just say the same thing over and over again, and you're correct. But I want to tell you why I say the same thing over and over, so you won't think I'm driving you crazy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is discipling Timothy. And he says, In pointing out these things to you, brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith. Do we look forward to Sunday morning? We have a chant to gather together and be nourished on the Word of God. Do we get up each day and open up our Bibles and think, wow, I get a chance to be nourished on the words of faith? Notice, too, and of the sound doctrine. Doctrine's a good thing. Today we're learning about union with Christ. That matters that we understand that we're united to Him and Him to us. Sound doctrine which you have been following. Okay, next verse. Now, I'm not going to really touch the first part of this. It's over my pay grade, okay? But I have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. But here's what I wanted to show you. On the other hand, saying to Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. I want you to do the same things over and over and over again. Do you see that? Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only a little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Did you know there was a football game last Sunday night? Did you, did you see part of it? Did you know there were two amazing quarterbacks? And do you know from the time they were six years old to that game, they did the same thing over and over and over again? Three-step drop and throw the ball. Five-step drop and throw the ball. So, you know why they did it? They did it so that at that moment, under the greatest pressure, they had muscle memory, and they were ready to respond. Maybe football isn't your thing. How about basketball? You ever watch Steph Curry shoot a basketball? Isn't it absolutely beautiful? You ever wonder how many times every day he shoots the same shot in exactly the same way. Why does he do that? Why, why does he not say, this is boring, I'm doing the same thing? Because you know what he's doing? He's training. He's equipping himself so that when the game matters, he's prepared. You don't like sports. Okay, let's move to music. You have a concert pianist. What does she do? 
She practices day after day after day the exact same thing. Why? So that when she's on the stage and people are watching and the pressure's on, she's prepared. I love you. And I believe what robs us of our joy is our past and our present and our future. And I want to equip you and train you so that you don't lose your joy because of your past or present or future. Every day of my life, I say these same things to myself and others. Every day of my life, I say, our failures are not fatal. You know why? Because every night when I lie in bed at night, I'm overwhelmed by my failures and I want to quit. But the Holy Spirit takes what I've learned and brings it to my mind, and I'm comforted that I fail a lot, but our failures are not fatal. And you know what happens when I comfort myself? Every day of my life, I talk to other people, and you know what they share with me? That they have failed too. And because I know this line, I can help them, and I can share with them, listen, our failures are not fatal. When Christ is in you, our failures are not fatal. Every day of my life, I struggle with the futility of life, don't you? I mean, are you married? It's hard, isn't it? You ever just say, why in the world did I get married? Some of you are single, and you say, it's really hard to be single. Some of you are parents. This is incredibly hard. Why did I ever do this? You're a young person. It's hard to be parented, isn't it? You belong to a church. Why did I ever join this church? Hey, do you know it's hard to be a pastor, too? That sometimes I get disappointed and let down, too. You ever think of that? But you know what keeps me going? To realize our lives are not futile. Our lives are not futile. Oh. You know what keeps me going? I've got a friend. Have you ever had a friend who was close to you who left? Have you? Have you ever had friends who, who were close and then you lost them? Doesn't that hurt? Man, that really hurts, doesn't it? But I have one friend. His name is Jesus. And when Jesus moved in, know what he said? I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. You know, I'm so thankful to be a Christian. There is one person who knows more about me than I know about myself, so nothing will ever surprise him. And when he moved in, he said, I'm never leaving. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful to be a Christian. Do you know how many people I talk to every day who've been betrayed and let down and they're so disappointed? And I get to share with them, listen, our lives are not futile. There is a friend our hearts all long for. His name is Jesus. And when he moves in, he never leaves. Oh, man, every day of my life I want to quit. Don't you? I want to quit in marriage. I want to quit in ministry. I just want to quit everything. And how much I preach to myself, our, our lives are not futile. And a verse that really encourages me about Christ in you, the hope of glory, is in Galatians. And, and, and this comforts me, and then I get to use it to comfort others. Let us not lose heart in doing good. I know a lot of you are really discouraged in marriage. Don't give up. Some of you lead small groups and you're, listen, it doesn't make any difference. Don't give up. Our lives are not futile. You have a friend. You have a purpose. You're trying to win people for Christ. Don't give up. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, 
While we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Uh, our lives are not futile. Aren't you glad we have a friend? Aren't you glad we have a purpose that makes life worth living? And, and then lastly, look, our, our death is not final. Our death is not, you know what I did yesterday? Um, by the way, yesterday was my day off. You know what I did yesterday? I met with our small group leaders, and then I did a funeral, and then I visited one of our members in the hospital. Listen, I did a funeral, and I went to the hospital. Death is always around me. Know what I'm doing on Monday? I'm going to a funeral. I am completely surrounded by sickness and people that are dying. I am continually saying to myself, our death is not final, our death is not final. I'm continually going into hospital rooms and sharing that with others. Listen, our death is not final, the best is yet to come. I'm usually pretty careful. I never look in mirrors. Hey, you know what Satchel Page said, right? He said, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you was? I always think I'm 18. I always wonder how I have kids older than I am. But every now and then I get careless and I look in the mirror and I say, why you're so old? And I scare myself. And so I preach the gospel to myself, right? Then listen, our death is not final. Our death, the best is yet to come. Oh, man. So what have we learned? We've learned that, that listen, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory, that hope is the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. That's how I want you to live life. But what robs us? It's our past and our present and our future, right? So how can Jesus uh, fill us? Because he tells us over and over again that our failures are not failing, our lives are not futile, and our death is not final. So now, we're headed home. We're headed home. Uh, here's the action step for this week. The action step is I want you to become hope dealers. Become hope dealers. Listen. I have never seen Americans so hopeless, nor joyless. That's why this is the best time ever to be a hope dealer. We have what others are looking for. We have hopium, right? <laughs> hopium. We're to get high on hopium, and then we're to peddle hopium to others. It's so good. Why don't you taste it? You'll want to give it away. So how do we? How do we become hope dealers? We learn to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over again. I really encourage you, come back to verses 27, 28, and 29 and read them and pray them to yourself over and over again. Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you spend time with Jesus in the morning, say, thank you for moving into me. Thank you. Thank you that our failures are not fatal. Thank you that our lives are not futile. Thank you that our death is not final. Thank you. Then as you go through the day and you fail, I do that, don't you? Preach it to yourself. When you're overwhelmed with the futility of life, preach it to yourself. When you're reminded you're going to die, preach the gospel to yourself. And then when you're full of the gospel, look about sharing that, that gospel with others, okay? And I know some of you say, well, Smiley, you know, I can't do that. Y yes, you can. Now, I've been sharing with you, I've been meeting for several weeks with David's Mighty Men, and every week when I get together, before I can equip these guys, Doug always interrupts me. Doug says, can I share something? And you know what he tells me every week? He just led someone to faith in Christ. So three weeks ago, Doug had never led anyone to faith in Christ. And now every week, he's winning people to faith in Christ. And so I hear the story, 
So I wanted you to hear the story of my friend, Doug. Hey, I'd like to introduce you to Doug Minter. I've got a few questions for him. So, Doug, when was the first time you led someone to faith in Christ? Uh, about three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. And uh, how many people have you won to faith in Christ this year? Uh, three people since that day. Three people. That, that's amazing. So, Doug, what enabled you to win these people to Christ? Uh, I'm in a uh, David Christopher small group, and Smiley is hosting a seven-week class, disciple-making, and... Uh, just the, the main uh, leading question, uh, if you're standing before Christ and he asked you what, what you have done, your marriage that, that enabled you to go to heaven, what would you say? And that's a leading question to the book, Do You Know? And I can take it from there. You can take it from there. You read them the book and yes. ask them to respond. Yes. Wonderful. So what would you say to someone else maybe who thinks they couldn't win someone to faith in Christ? Uh, I felt very comfortable at this church trying to just get people to come through the front door, but I never thought I needed to take it this step. And now with this class, I, I have a different attitude and I want to go after the people. I want to make disciples. Uh, win people to faith. And certainly you could tell them, like, if I can, anybody can. If right? I can, anybody can. That's without a doubt. And... Uh, I think it's easier for people to, uh, especially if you know them, they're more comfortable being around you sharing do you know with them. Absolutely. How about give me five minutes? Yes, sir. Way to go. You, you did see that sweet shirt that Doug had on, right? Um, but do you hear what he said? He said, I used to think... All I could do was invite people to church, and now I realize that I can win people to faith in Christ. He also said something really important. He said, people are more willing to listen to a friend than they are to a stranger. That's why all of us, we're key people at, at, at winning the people in our county to faith in Christ. And listen, you've been taught about hope. Who do you know? Who do you know that doesn't have hope? Hmm? Won't you go and share with them? What you learned today, hey, you know what we learned in church today? We learned that hope is the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. Is that your hope? Would you like to have that hope? You can. This week, listen, have your ears tuned in because you're preaching the gospel to yourself when someone shares with you how they've messed up. Remember what you've been taught and share with them what. Listen, our failures are not fatal when we believe in Christ. When people share with you about how futile life is and how nothing makes sense, what a great opportunity to share with them. Know what we learn? Our lives are not futile when we know Christ. Oh, this week when someone gets a bad report from the doctor or they share with you their fear of death, what a great opportunity to say. <laughs> Can I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? That Christ in you, the hope of glory. We can live life knowing the best is yet to come. So this week, um, listen, we get to be hope dealers. That's what we get. We, we, get to, uh, we get to preach the gospel to ourselves and just fill up with lots of hopium. And, and, and then we get to go out and we get to peddle hopium everywhere we go. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. 
Thank you for coming to save sinners from their past and from their present and from their fear of the future. Thank you for dying and rising so that we could have forgiveness of sins and do life and eternity with you. And listen, if you're here and you've never received Jesus, won't you? I mean, Jesus is here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've, if you've done that, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to, to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who've received you that we would understand union with Christ, that we are in you and you are in us and nothing will ever separate us from one another. Lord, this week, may we get up and preach the gospel to ourselves over and over and over again so that it's grooved into us so that we have it when we need it the most. And then, Lord, may we go out and may you open up opportunities for us to share our hope with others. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.